I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hey everybody, how's it going? Welcome back to another live edition of the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast, part of the 90 Min Football Network. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simiu, coming to you at a much later hour uh, than usual. But we are here, we are live, and we're going to be looking back on Arsenal's emphatic victory at Brentford earlier today. What a performance. What a game. Uh, I asked some of you guys just before we started the live stream in the comments to describe the performance in one word. We've had superb, perfect, magnificent. We've had Saliba. Uh, brilliant stuff. Great to uh, see so many of you with us in the live chat, even though we're doing this at this ungodly hour. Um, but, you know, some of you are saying in the chat that if you're US-based, then it's a lot, lot better for you. So, um Good. Well, at least someone's happy with it, because uh, as I explained to you guys earlier in my instant reaction video from the GTEC Community Stadium, it was my little girl's birthday this week and we had a family barbecue organized uh, for today. And uh, and so, yeah, it actually worked out quite well that the game was brought forward to 12 o'clock because it meant I could get home at a reasonable time and then just, you know, just get on with it, get on with the day. Uh, but yeah, so thank you uh, for bearing with me because I know this is a really late time, at least for our European listeners anyway. Uh, but we're here now and we're live and let's do this. In fact, before we do this, let's say a few hellos because there are uh, plenty of you in the chat box already. Uh, Kenny says, this is best for us in the USA. Adair says, oi, oi, cheers uh, from BK. Harry, what a match. Uh, what else have we got? Uh, Trevor is with us. We've got Achibi, who says it's my first time starting the program with you. Hi, Harry, from Nigeria. It's 11 p.m. down here. Hope you're well, mate. Uh, what else have we got? We've got uh, Caleb in Liberia. Uh, how you doing, mate? And we've got Mark, who says a happy birthday to your daughter, Harry. Thank you so, so much. Okay, look, let's get into it. Uh, let's discuss the performance. Let's discuss the significance of the victory, because I think it is a really significant victory because, you know, you think back to what happened at the start of last season. You think back to that night under the floodlights and, you know, the atmosphere that was within that stadium, naturally, because it was Brentford's first top flight game in an awful long time. They had an opportunity to take on one of the traditional big six. And there was an, uh, uh, you know, there was an opportunity to get a big scalp early on boost their confidence and basically set the foundations for a successful season by their standards. And it almost felt like the perfect storm for Brentford. We've been over this before. We went over it at the time. We've spoken about it on numerous occasions since. But, you know, it, it was the perfect storm for Brentford. We had players missing. We had COVID problems. The team was still, you know, nowhere near as developed as it should have been. You know, we we were unable to put out a, a competitive side. You have to say that. Um, and, and ultimately, we were undone on the night. And that defeat against Brentford has haunted us ever since. It's the defeat that everybody refers back to when they want to be critical of this Arsenal side, when they want to be critical of Mikel Arteta. It's one of a handful of matches that the Arteta critics reach for every single time we go through a bad patch or they're trying to justify the ideology that, you know, this guy hasn't done a decent job and should be out on his ass, basically. That's the game that a lot of people reach for. 
And, you know, it's it's one that we needed to kind of get over. It's it's a situation or a, a hangover that we kind of just needed to get past and put it to bed. We needed to close the chapter, basically, on that Brentford situation, on that Brentford story. And we did that perfectly today by going there. When a lot of people thought this could be a potential banana skin, myself included, I was worried about Brentford and the threat that they posed. Uh, you know, I was worried about what Brentford offered when they opt to go direct. You know, there's long balls up to Ivan Tony, the flick-ons getting the likes of Brian and Buemo in and around, uh, you know, those uh, those areas. And in and around Ivan Tony is something that they're very, very good at doing. And they're really good at stretching people as well. And so naturally, when you go into that game and you think back to what happened at Old Trafford in our last Premier League outing, you think, well, we got done by a side that were quite happy to sit deep, soak up pressure for large periods and look to hit us on the transition. And I thought that that was what Brentford were going to do. And when I saw their team announced, I felt even more like that because obviously Brentford, when I'd been down to the GTEC a few weeks ago to cover their game against Leeds, had played with a back four and looked to overrun the midfield. This time, they went with a back three. Essentially, a back five went out of possession, which suggested to me that Brentford were wary of the threat that Arsenal posed, were concerned uh, about those half spaces in particular. When you play three centre-halves, you can deal with those half space areas a lot more efficiently. And what you do is you essentially push your opponent into wider areas from which it's much more difficult to impact or affect the game. But what they did in doing that was surrender the midfield because Arsenal's midfield was totally dominant. And not just because of Thomas Frank's tactics, not just because of the way Thomas Frank opted to set his side up, but because Arsenal's midfielders were brilliant. Every single one of them was sensational today. And we'll come on to individual performances a little bit later on. But yeah, that Brentford chapter, it needed closing and we did that. And also, you know, when you think about the preparation around the game, it wasn't ideal, was it? You know, no uh, Martin Odegaard, no Zinchenko, two really, really important players for the Gunners. And we heard afterwards that William Saliba hadn't trained for 10 or so days as well in the build-up to that game. So the preparation was far from ideal. We've got some key players missing. Um, the the kind of general feeling and, and sort of the general idea or you know, the, I guess the guess, the prediction right now around Odegaard and Zinchenko is that both of them will be back fit and available for the North London derby, which will give us a boost. But, you know, when you get over the line and, and, and when you pick up points in a game that has the potential to be very difficult, but also you've got players missing, you have to see that as something that's incredibly encouraging. My big worry about the team today was was the absence of Martin Odegaard. i got to be honest, when the lineup came out, that was my worry. That was my concern, more so than Zinchenko's absence, because we all know that Kieran Tierney, although he offers something different, is a very capable left back, particularly defensively. So you think about that and you think, well, you know, it's not too much of a drop off. It's not too much of a downgrade. In in some people's minds, it won't be a downgrade at all. And I'd say if you're looking at it purely from a defensive standpoint, then actually it's an upgrade. But I worried that with Martin Odegaard being left out of the side, not left out of the side, being unavailable, I beg your pardon, I worried that all of the creative burden was going to be on Fabio Vieira's shoulders in what was his first ever Premier League start. Now, you'd have loved his full debut to be 
a game at home against Nottingham Forest or Fulham or or Bournemouth or something like that, just to give him the opportunity to kind of find his feet, get used to playing with his teammates a little bit more and understand the intensity levels uh, that are required to play successfully in the Premier League. But thankfully today, although Fabio Vieira was very, very good, Granit Xhaka stepped up as well, even more so than he has done so far this season. And I've been really sort of uh, full of praise for him for a while now because I think he's the most improved player over the last 18 months by a country mile. I think Mikel Arteta has worked out what Granit Xhaka's strengths actually are, how to best utilise them and how to limit the, the times in which he's found in positions that are dangerous, positions that for him pose problems, i.e. being that last midfielder, being the deepest line midfielder. Granit Xhaka isn't the most mobile. So if you put him in a position where he needs to get around the pitch, put out fires, and where he has to play facing his own goal a lot of the time, receiving the ball, and then maybe turning a little bit too slowly left or right, then he's going to make mistakes. He's going to get caught in possession. If you put him a little bit further up the pitch, and I don't want to go too far into this because we're going to do a Granite Jacker episode probably tomorrow. But if you put him further up the pitch and you put him in a place where instead of focusing on his mobility or lack of, you can focus on his technical quality, which has been there from day dot, let's be honest, then you're going to get the best out of Granite Jacker and you're going to get a much improved Granite Jacker. And, and he was superb today. Brilliant. Really, really was. But, you know, that's not to take away from Fabio Vieira as well, because his goal, which we'll come on to a little bit later on, was was stunning. It was stunning. But for me, I'll get this out of the way nice and early. Granit Xhaka was by about a country mile Arsenal's man of the match today. He was great defensively. He was great offensively. Fantastic in possession. Equally as effective out of it. Constantly, you know, making sure that people were in the right positions, constantly making sure that people were picking up their men, that people were, you know, carrying out all of their duties. I was obviously in the, the press box today and, and you could hear him, you know, particularly in the first half when Arsenal was shooting to my left and obviously Granit Xhaka was drifting slightly to the left-hand side and was helping out in that area. You could really hear him. Uh, you could really see that he was, you know, desperate to put in a performance and having the armband back on, I think, has done him good in that sense. Um, people were talking a lot during some of the coverage from what I could hear and from what I gathered scrolling through social media and based on some of the things I've read a lot about the atmosphere and saying, oh, you know, Arsenal only went there and won today because the atmosphere wasn't that good, because the atmosphere was a little bit flat. And, and there were some people suggesting that Arsenal were incredibly fortunate that the game was taking place at midday because what that meant was a more subdued atmosphere. Look, a 12pm kickoff on a Sunday is naturally going to have less of an atmosphere in most instances than a, an 8pm night game. No question about that. OK, also take into consideration the fact that the country is in a state of national mourning, that there was a tribute paid to Her Highness Queen Elizabeth II, who obviously sadly passed away recently, which set a different tone. When you take all of those things into consideration, yeah, of course, the atmosphere 
wasn't going to be what it was on that Friday night when Brentford were playing their first game in the Premier League and everybody was buzzing and everybody was jumping up and down. But let's not pretend that the main reason for the subdued atmosphere was not Arsenal's brilliant performance and Arsenal's dominance from the off. We've all seen it. We've all been to football. We've all watched football long enough to know that when an away team goes somewhere, turns up and takes instant control of a game, grabs a game by the scruff of the neck, totally dominates it, controls it in every way, shape or form, we all know that that leads to a subdued atmosphere with regards to the home crowd. Now, they'll stay with you for a bit. You know, the first few minutes, they'll cheer every challenge. They'll roar every time you get forward. But eventually that wears out. And what happens is, and it happens to us as well, it happens to me. What happens is you go from being optimistic and positive to being concerned. And naturally, when your mind is focused on the game and on your concern, the singing goes away a little bit. And then you go from being concerned to absolutely shitting yourself. And then from there, the next phase is we're beaten. We're down and out. That's, as I say, a consequence of your opponent turning up and being brilliant from the off. So you can talk about the 12 o'clock kickoff. You can talk about the events surrounding the Queen's passing. You can talk about all of that. You can make that comparison as much as you want with that opening night of the season last time out. But the main reason for Arsenal going there and making sure that the atmosphere was subdued was because they played so bloody well at the end of the day. Uh, let's go over to the uh, live chat and see what you guys are saying. We're just going to pick out a few more comments and then we're going to continue through the talk. Uh, Trevor says, don't forget to hit the likes on the way in. Absolutely. What are you waiting for? If you haven't done so already, please do leave a like on the video. And of course, subscribe to the channel if you're new. It's very, very much appreciated. We are on our way towards 25,000. I suspect we're going to need uh, a lot longer to get there, but it, it would be great if we could start making some progress towards that. And if you are listening on the audio platforms, then please do leave us a review as well. Um, Just a J says uh, one more yellow and Jesus can get banned for a game. It's a good point. Um, I, I read a tweet about this earlier today and I was thinking about it. You're absolutely right. You know, if he picks up a yellow against Spurs, he could potentially miss the game against Liverpool. That would be one hell of a blow, wouldn't it? Because, not only does he score goals, but he brings so much to that attack in terms of different dimensions, different things, drifting into areas that nobody else will. His unpredictability around his movement is obviously key as well. So, yeah, um, that is, of, of course, a concern. Uh, Sports Genius, thank you for your very, very kind donation, mate. Really, really appreciate it. It says, Harry, can we win the league this season? I'm not going to say that yet. Um, in fact, I'm probably never going to say that. Let's be honest. I don't think we're, we're on Manchester City's level. I don't think we have the depth that they have. I don't think we have the quality in a lot of areas that they have. We're not going to win the title. Um, it would be nice to be right at the top end, competing for as long as we possibly can. Ultimately, for me, it's about getting in the Champions League this season. Anything more than that would be an unexpected bonus. Uh, so, no, I'm not going to say we can win the league because I think that is premature talk at this moment. Uh, a. Luzion, uh, thank you so, so much for your kind donation, mate. Really, really appreciate it. it. says, nice kick about with the boys. Yes, several 
Arsenal support, uh, Arsenal players, I beg your pardon, put tweets out to that effect this evening. And uh, I've seen a few people uh, sort of getting a little bit upset about it. Non-Arsenal fans sort of moaning about it. Oh, look, it shows a lack of class. The same people that were brown-nosing Ivan Tony when he decided to poke fun at Arsenal Football Club. If you can't take the heat, stay out the kitchen. If you can't take it, don't dish it out, is what I would say uh, around that. Uh, big hello to Dean, who says, uh, Come on, you gunners, totally dominated in Auckland, New Zealand. Stayed up until 1am to watch the game. It's going to be a long day at work, but well worth it. Yeah, if you could pick a game, a performance uh, this season to stay up for, this is uh, this is definitely the one. Uh, Jayesh uh, says, how was the Suvla? Oh, it was beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. Really, really good. Uh, Foluso says, I didn't hear any Brentford chants. It was Arsenal fans chanting from start to finish. Credit from the fans. I can confirm that. As I say, the um, the atmosphere was very subdued. But I'm not having that. Arsenal played no part in that. Arsenal absolutely played probably the biggest part uh, in that. Okay, let's talk a little bit about uh, some of the match events. Um, Opening goal, a set piece. Now, I must admit, before the opening goal, let let me just touch on this point first. We, of course, had a really good opportunity. It was a really well worked move. And Granit Xhaka received the ball on the left-hand side in that half space. And I thought probably should have gone for goal, but instead opted to pick out Martinelli in the middle, who took a touch and just lost his footing. The ball got stuck underneath him. He didn't make the right contact. And I remember sitting there thinking, this is what happened at Old Trafford. We made chances. We had control. Our dominance just didn't give us, though, ultimately what we were looking for, which was that goal, which was that lead. Because getting in front against a team that planned to be relatively defensively against you puts you in a great position because they now have to become more expansive. They now have to come on to you a little bit. And that gives you the opportunity to hit them on the transition. Something that with the likes of Saka, Martinelli and Jesus in your side, you know, is is something that you, you kind of relish and you look forward to those bases being left and then you know trying to exploit those so when we missed that chance I know it was really early on but my first thought was like come on you know we got to be clinical I said to you guys in the preview show one of my big things was yeah you know I'll be honest I didn't think Arsenal were going to win this game I thought we were going to pick up a point I thought it would be probably a draw uh, is what I predicted this morning I can't yeah I think that's what I said initially as well Um, but you you kind of, I don't know, you you go into the game and you've got what happened at Old Trafford in the back of your mind. You've got the fact that we were incredibly dominant that day, yet we're unable to take anything away from the game in the back of your mind. And you're thinking, shit, we can't afford to miss chances. We've got to put them away. And so you miss that and you think, oh shit, you know, we're in danger of that happening. But what Arsenal have now that Arsenal didn't have in the past is a threat from set pieces. You know, last season, it was largely Gabriel. This season, Saliba has added to that as well. He's already on two Premier League goals this season. The delivery comes in. He does excellently to get across his man. I think Ivan Tony should probably do better, but he does the right thing, Saliba. Doesn't try to put an awful lot on the ball. Doesn't try to be clever. Just looks to flick it on towards the far post. He's trying to hit that far corner. And the great thing about that is, you know, if it takes a ricochet off of the post and comes back out. Hopefully there will be 
people on hand to turn it in. You know, you're always making it difficult for the keeper by going back across the goal. And you're using the power on the ball already to just help it on and putting it into a really dangerous area. And that's what William Saliba did. And off the post it went and over the line it went. Now, there was some confusion straight away initially within the stadium anyway, as to whether or not that ball had crossed the line. But the goal line technology, of course, confirmed that pretty quickly. And Arsenal ran off to the corner to celebrate. And then you get the second goal. And this one for me was just, you know, an absolute joy to watch. Tierney has the ball on the left-hand side. He rolls it just infield to Granit Xhaka, who looks up, spots Gabriel Jesus and delivers the most delicious pass in towards the far post area. Now, take nothing away, though, from Gabriel Jesus because he's got a lot to do there. He's got to get up. He's got to get the right contact, but he's also got to generate enough power to make it very, very difficult for David Raya in the Brentford goal. And he did exactly that. The cross from Granit Xhaka was incredibly accurate, was beautifully delivered. And from that angle and from that distance, you can't really put a lot of power on that. It needed to be a cute ball in, and that's exactly what it was. But Gabriel Jesus, as I say, generates an incredible amount of power. And that's ultimately what makes it impossible for the goalkeeper to save. So, you know, that goal for me was like, yeah, you know, Arsenal have arrived here. You know, Arsenal have come here. Arsenal put in Brentford to the sword. It was clinical. It was classy. And it really deflated not just the Brentford players, but everyone inside the Brentford City Stadium. Then you get to half time, 2-0 up, happy, healthy lead. But you always know at 2-0 that particularly away from home, if your opponent nicks a Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. NerdWallet's trusted financial journalists use fact-based reporting for some much-needed clarity in the finance world, helping you make smarter decisions with your money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning for my tax bills so I don't dread April every year, producing a balanced budget, not just for football, and saving on travel because spending less on airfares means more money for an extra night and maybe a fancy dinner too. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money podcast on your favourite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. A goal and the tide turns and the atmosphere changes, all of a sudden, you know, you can find yourself from a position of comfort being in a position where your backs are really up against the wall. So to come out in the second half, start the way we did, be totally dominant in possession, look confident with the ball at our feet, look as though, you know, we we just basically picked up from where we left off at the end of the first half was was a sign that there's a real focus there, was a sign that people had come out not exa- not resting on their laurels based on what happened in the first half and were actually ready to go out there and, and continuing and keep pushing and keep pressing and keep knocking on the door in order to find that third. And up stepped the man, Fabio Vieira. Now, the reason I enjoyed this goal, apart from it being 
an unbelievable finish. The reason I enjoyed it was because obviously I was in the stadium really early. Okay. Kickoff was at 12. I was probably standing pitch side at about 10.20, 10.20, 10.30. I was catching up with some colleagues. I was uh, sort of, uh, you know, I'd gone to the press area, I'd put my stuff down and I took a walk down to the bottom of the stand and uh, walked outside onto the pitch bit, down the side of the pitch into the dugouts and stood there for a little bit, just kind of thinking about the game and uh, and trying to process, uh, you know, how this one might go. And I was watching the players warm up. I was I was down there as well while the warm up was taking place and having a good look and trying to kind of make sense of things and, and having a look at certain players. And Fabio Vieira was involved in a shooting drill with a few other players. I think Jesus Martinelli Parte maybe was there as well. And about five or six times, Fabio Vieira got the ball on his left foot on the edge of the box and whipped balls not towards the far corner, but back inside towards the near post. And he stuck them in pretty much every time. And I remember sitting there at the time thinking, wow, that's brilliant. You know, look at the technique. Look at the confidence. Look at the way he gets his foot around the ball. Look at the whip he gets on those shots. This is a guy who is incredibly technically gifted. But going into the game, I'd be lying if I said I wasn't worried about his physicality. I think he is too light. I think he does need to bulk up. I think he will learn that very, very quickly uh, in the Premier League. And hopefully he can get to the point where he can at least protect himself a little bit better. But when that ball came to him and he shifts it out of his feet and you know what he's going to do, my eyes lit up based on what I'd seen in the warm-up. And in it went off the post. Beautiful finish. David Ryan, no way possible uh, going to keep that out. It was just beautiful to see. And, it, you know, when you make your full debut, you probably dream about it the night before, right? What would my dream full debut be? Well, it would be to get on the score sheet. And Fabio Vieira did exactly that. He also contributed to some really nice bits of build-up play, various other points in the game. I just thought he was excellent. I, I, I really do. And um, and as I say, that goal was, uh, was beautiful. Um, the performance was controlled. You know, from start to finish, Arsenal were totally, totally dominant. In every way, Brentford would try and go long. The centre-halves would deal with Ivan Tony, And if they lost the initial draw, they had cover. They were able to cover one another. Partey would drop back and help out. Tierney would come across and clean up the centre-back's mess, as would Ben White on the other side. There was an element of control because every time we lost the ball, you always felt that we had cover to get back, cover to recover the ball quickly. And we did recover it quickly on numerous occasions. Um, I thought Ben White had a great game again as well. We'll we'll run through the team just quickly in a minute. What a difference to that midfield, though, when Thomas Partey's in there. Now, I like Sambi Lekonga. I really, really do. I think he's a player with immense potential, and I think he will get there one day. But let's, you know, let's, let's have it right. The drop-off between him and Thomas Partey right now is so clear to see. Because Thomas Partey comes back into the side... And all of a sudden, the control you had at Old Trafford, which was pretty good as well, by the way, has almost doubled, tripled to the point where you are crippling your opponent at every opportunity. Partey's passing is brilliant. His ability to drop the shoulder and get out of sticky situations. His press resistance is something that, you know, makes him elite. He's such a great player. And uh, to have him back in the midfield was a real, real boost today. 
uh, it really, really was. Um, I want to talk, obviously, about the kind of man of the hour, Ethan Waneri, 15 years old, breaking Cesc Fabregas' record, having got onto the pitch, becomes Arsenal and the Premier League's youngest ever player. I mean, what a moment that would have been for him. Chance of uh, how shit must you be? He's only 15. We're coming from the away end, which I loved. Also, the uh, he's got school in the morning. Um, was coming out of the away end as well. Look, Mikel Arteta spoke after the game and he said that this was a feeling that he had from meeting the lad and from the things that he'd heard from Per Mertesacker. He felt that this kid deserved to be in the picture. Obviously, injuries played a part in that, but he brought him into the squad. And we were talking sort of at the game and, and with one of my colleagues, I said, look, it's great that this kid is on the bench and what an experience that'll be for him. You know, a first team match day, traveling with the team, being there with the team, getting ready with the team, being in the team talks, being in there at half time, being part of either the celebration or the inquisition, depending on how the result goes post-match. But to actually get on the pitch now, I know it was only for a minute or so, and I know I think he only had one touch of the ball. But what you know, you've got that record now. How many people are likely to be that record? 15 years old. What was I doing when I was 15 years old? Absolutely nothing worth anything is the answer to that. Um, you know, it's mad. I'm old enough to be his dad, basically, uh, which is crazy. But yeah, first player as well to play for Arsenal that was born after the club moved to Emirates Stadium. So he's got a, he's got a great... Um, you know, he's got a great claim to fame now. That's a cracking record to have and uh, delighted for the boy as well. Really, really am. All right, let's run through the team and then we will take some of your questions uh, at the end of the show. Big thank you to Adair, uh, who's just signed up to become a member. Really, really appreciate it. Thank you uh, for your support of the channel, mate. All the best to you. Uh, right, look, start popping your questions in. I'm going to quickly run through the team and give you my ratings or what I thought of their performances. Yeah, you know what? I'll give you ratings out of 10. Aaron Ramsdale, 8 out of 10. Um, I can't give him higher than an 8 because he wasn't particularly busy. But everything he did, I thought he did really well. I thought he stayed on his toes in those sort of more advanced areas when Arsenal had possession in order to help in the event that Brentford decided to drop the balls over the top of us. I thought his distribution was pretty good. Um, made a good save in the second half as well. That's the only one I can really remember Brentford bringing out of him. But 8 out of 10 for me, clean sheets, exactly what the goalkeeper wants. Ben White, 8 out of 10 as well. Um, really, really good again. Really solid defensively. Always willing to bust the lung and get on the outside of Bukayo Saka when required, but also tucked in field as well uh, to good effect as he's instructed to do. Uh, on the left, Kieran Tierney. I'm going to give Kieran Tierney a seven. A lot of people will think this is harsh. And and the reason I'm going to give him a seven is not because he did anything wrong. But I just don't think, given the way we play right now, and especially with Martinelli in the side, I just don't think that he gives us enough going forward at this moment in time. That's my personal opinion. So I'm going to give Tierney a seven. Feel free to disagree with these, by the way. Leave your thoughts in the comments. If you're watching this back on playback, Run through your team in the comments. Leave player ratings out of 10. Gabriel, for me, was an 8. Brilliant. Um, really, really good. Really solid, as always. Saliba was a 9. 
Um, you know, I just thought he looked so comfortable in everything he did. And there were a couple of moments in the second half where Brentford looked to break away, looked to cause us problems. And Saliba just, just remained calm, turned on the burners when he needed to, used his body and his physicality and his power when he needed to in the right way. So I'm going to give uh, Saliba a nine. I thought he had a great game. Thomas Partey, eight for me as well. Really solid defensively, but also helped us to break the lines much, much better. Superb performance from him. And uh, as I say, every time he's out of the team and then comes back into it, you start to realise what it is that we're missing when he's not fit and available. Uh, so Thomas Partey gets an eight for me. Uh, moving a little bit further forward, Granit Xhaka gets a 10 out of 10. I don't give 10 out of 10s normally. I really don't. Nine has always been my highest. But Granit Xhaka didn't put a foot wrong. This was a game that, as I said, was the uh, the cause of some scars of the past. Scars that a lot of us haven't been able to shake, get rid of. So to go there, to be asked to captain the side after Martin Odegaard was ruled out, and then to turn in a performance like that, where you contributed in the final third, but you also defended impeccably well and ensured that some of our younger players were uh, coached and guided throughout, kept switched on. I think that Xhaka, for me, is a, was a 10 out of 10 today. Can't fault him for a single thing he did. Really can't. Uh, Fabio Vieira, I'm going to give Vieira an 8. I thought he had a, a good game. Obviously, the goal props that up quite a bit. But again, I'm, I still think there's more to come from him. So don't want to get too carried away and say it was any more than that. I think an eight is a fair uh, rating for uh, Fabio Vieira. Moving on to Bukayo Saka, I'll give him an eight as well because of his involvement in some of the goals. Again, just like Vieira, I still think there's a lot more to come from Bukayo Saka in terms of contributing goals himself. Uh, on the other side, Martinelli for me wasn't at his best today. I'm going to give him a seven because he worked incredibly hard. Some of the sprints back, having lost possession or whatever, were, you know, sublime it was great to see that i mean when you see a player putting in that much work and that much effort it's it's a real positive as a fan so i'll give him an eight no i'll give him a seven uh on that basis yeah seven because i didn't think he impacted the game as much as he could have but i thought he still worked incredibly hard jesus i'm going to give an eight to fantastic header for the goal worked tirelessly throughout went down with cramp at the end which tells you all you need to know about how hard he worked on the afternoon uh, not going to rate the subs because um, they were all made at a time when the game was done. Dusty decided. And uh, and so, yeah, none of them were required to have a, a real significant impact. They were required essentially to come on and give other people breathers. Uh, right. Let's take some of your questions then. Let's see what you guys are saying in the live chat box. Uh, keep popping them in. I'm going to do about 10 or so minutes worth. I am absolutely shattered. You can probably tell by my eyes. Uh, but obviously, we'll be doing uh, another episode tomorrow, which you guys can tune into. Time will be confirmed then. But uh, Deflected Mind says, Zinchenko and Partey didn't have major injury issues. But after coming to our club, they're getting injured frequently. Is our medical team not doing a good job? I, I really don't know. And I had a question similar to this maybe a week ago, a few days ago. I think you, you know, you can come up with assumptions, you can have an idea, you can think that perhaps the medical team aren't as competent as maybe they should be. But I think it's harsh because we don't know that they're the problem. 
you know, uh, you know, it could be the level of intensity in training that's causing a lot of injuries, which is something that will be down to Mikel Arteta, who's taking the session rather than the medical staff. So I'm reluctant to point fingers at anyone individually, but obviously injuries are a big problem for us, a big concern for us. And we need to, wherever possible, protect the important players to this setup, to this game model, because that's the only way we're going to move forward. Uh, what else have we got? Um, lots of player ratings coming in, which is interesting. Uh, Gandhi says, did you see Jesus talking to the team in the huddle after the first goal? Thoughts on the leaders in the team? I mean, yeah. The thing with Gabby Jesus is he's been there, done it, right? He's 25 years old. I know people make him out to be a veteran because he's been around for so long, but he is just 25 years old. But as I say, he's seen things, he's won things, and he can be a real guide to some of these young players. When we talk about leaders, the ones that sort of spring to mind for me are our Granite Xhaka, our Martin Odegaard, of course, the club captain, our people like Kieran Tini, Thomas Partey, who have to be, you know, on it all the time. But then you've also got other leaders in in terms of their characters. You look at Aaron Ramsdale, what a character he is. Bukayo Saka will certainly lead by example, if not necessarily someone who speaks a lot. Martinelli, too, in terms of work rate. You know, there's a lot of leaders in this team and previously there were none. So this is a massive upgrade and something that we should enjoy and be proud of. Um, but of course, there is, um, you know, I've lost my trailer thought. I, I can't even remember what I was saying. I'm so tired. <laughs> Essentially, you know, let's let's just enjoy it, man. Like, let's just bloody enjoy it. Um, and, 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 you know, keep, keep moving forward and... Um, and uh, and keep pushing on, I guess. Completely lost where I was, what point I was on. Tiredness, shocking lack of professionalism from me. Anyway, um, Raphael Lim says, good morning, Harry from Singapore. Thanks for the great analysis, despite being tired. Take care. Thank you, mate. Um, really, really appreciate it. Uh, Trevor says, do you think realistically Arsenal have a chance of being in the top three? Yeah, I do. I, I really do. It's realistic. Um, no question about that. Uh, Tom says, hey, Harry, hello from the Gulf Coast Gooners. Hope you're well. Uh, he says, did you see Xhaka's video message to fans thanking them for his song? Was he embraced as the captain today? When you put in those types of performances, it's impossible for fans not to get behind you. It's impossible for fans to, you know, to to be critical. People will because of the history with Granite Xhaka. But there comes a point where people have to step back and go, you know what, maybe we were wrong about this guy, you know, and that's not to say that his performances in the past were good. And so you were wrong to be concerned about them, but to suggest that he was a terrible footballer, that Arsenal should be looking to move out on a free transfer at the earliest opportunity was incorrect. It was poor judgment. It was really, really bad. Mikel Arteta has found a way of extracting the best from Granite Xhaka and, and I'm loving it. Uh, Paul says, which game should Jesus take a yellow to make it five? If so, we can lose him for the next game. In an ideal world, he doesn't get a yellow in either of the next two games. Because if he gets one against Spurs, he misses Liverpool, which is key. Don't want to miss him in that. Um, so in an ideal world, he'd pick it up against Liverpool, maybe. I don't know. Let's just have a quick glance at the fixtures after that. As I say, my head's gone to shit this evening. Uh, after Liverpool, it's Bodo glimped away and it's Leeds away. 
which would be a difficult game, wouldn't it? And then it's Southampton away in the league and then Forrest at home. In an ideal world, he wouldn't pick up a yellow card for the next four or five. And then maybe if he had to miss a game, it could be Nottingham Forest at home. I don't know. Uh, right, let's take a few more of these. Uh, Adele says, uh, go to bed, Harry. Mikey says, uh, crazy bedtime. Yep, it is bedtime. Uh, Don Juan says, Harry's knackered. Mikey says, it's been a good day. Get some rest. You're absolutely right. I promise we'll um, we'll do a little bit more of a deep dive tomorrow, a little bit more analysis, but I really wanted to get this out to you guys tonight. Kebab Abdi says, uh, we will let you off tonight. Go to bed. There's like a hashtag starting. Go to bed. Go to bed. Um Sergi says, uh, if we can sustain this form until January, why can't we challenge City, of course, with more additions in Jan? Listen, I, I would manage expectations right now around what's going to happen in the January window. It was another big summer for Arsenal in terms of the spend um, against the backdrop of not making very much money as a football club because of the outlays, because, that we're, because we're still recovering from COVID, because we're still uh, recovering from some of the bad decisions, financial decisions that we made in the past. So my thoughts on this are go into January expecting little and I think you'll you'll probably be about there or thereabouts. I think if an opportunity comes along, Arsenal take it. But I'm not hanging my hat on Arsenal going out in January and bringing in two, three additions. I think if we get one in, great. I don't expect major movement in the January window. I, I think Arsenal have shown that not to be their way under Mikel Arteta. It's more about building and to build, you know, you need to go after a certain profile of players, the type of which are normally quite difficult to obtain during a January window. So, yeah, we'll see. Uh, we'll see. Uh, Wandering Minstrel says, J-Lo calling you, Harry. Don't keep her waiting. If J-Lo was calling me uh, to go to bed, I would not be sitting on this stream. Uh, sorry. Yeah, this might have come across a bit crude. I beg your pardon. But anyway, uh, Zaki says, hashtag stay up late for being on a high. Yeah, I am on a high. I really, really enjoyed it. Look, I had a, I had a great day. Um, you know, I got down, as I said, to Brentford really early on. Uh, got to kind of soak up the atmosphere. Got some incredible access. Got to walk around uh, pitch side, sat in the commentary position, uh, chipped in on the uh, the broadcast uh, which was which was great fun as well, and it's always easier, isn't it, and nicer uh, when, of course, Arsenal have won the game or are winning the game or in, uh, are in complete and utter control. Uh, he really enjoyed the match, thoroughly enjoyed the match, made it back home, had a lovely day with a family, and here I am talking to you guys before I'm about to hit the sack. We've got lots of content coming this week, though, despite the fact that th this is the international break. We've got a show planned for every single weekday and i'm going to be bringing you those some live some will be uh pre-recorded as well uh so stay tuned for those uh, also some details on our new membership platform uh will be dropping finally uh this coming week because there is um there is an update a positive one uh the first bit of exclusive members content has been recorded i really enjoyed putting it together as i told you guys the other day it's about sort of my Arsenal story. Uh, we will do more Arsenal-focused stuff, which is, I'm sure, much more interesting to you guys. But I have always get asked that question, you know, why Arsenal? How did you become an Arsenal fan? What were your early experiences of the club? And so I really wanted to put something together that kind of allowed me to take a trip down memory lane, but also 
allows me to share that with you without it just being a quick passing answer in the middle of the show generally about something else look loads of you in the comment telling me to go to bed thank you all so so much uh for your understanding that the fact that this isn't the longest of shows i'm absolutely cream crackered i'm gonna hit the sack i'm gonna get some sleep uh i will be dreaming of fabio vieira's left foot i think i'll be back very very soon with more as i say tomorrow uh we'll be uh focusing on granite shaka and a number of other things that we've taken away from today's game. Arsenal sit top of the league going into the international break. Six wins from seven. Couldn't have asked for an awful lot more. I'll catch you all soon. Until next time. Take care, guys. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.